Welcome to Cabbages and Kings, a podcast for readers of science fiction and fantasy. I'm your host, Jonah Sutton Morse. Quick programming note. Starting next week, I'm going to be inserting some more in-depth and spoilery discussions of books, much like the discussions of Ancillary Justice from Episodes 2 and 3. There will be a number of episodes on Grace of Kings, Ethan's coming back to talk about Ancillary Sword, and I'm hoping to bring some people in to talk about Uprooted and the Dark Matter Anthology. These will be mixed in with other episodes, so I won't just have a solid month of all Grace of Kings all the time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the conversations, and if you've got a book you'd like to talk about, let me know. My guest this episode is Shayna, who is booksabound on Twitter and blogs at shaynadubois.wordpress.com. Her Twitter profile mentions that Shayna's an extreme bibliophile, but doesn't mention her interest in small presses, discovering new stories and authors, or her status as the queen of the reaction gif. <laughs> so let's start with how you got into the genre and what you read and maybe what you read outside of the genre, if much. Certainly. So ironically, my intro to the genre is actually relatively recent with regards to the broad genre. Um, Growing up, I read almost exclusively horror. Um, I grew up on the Goosebumps, then I, you know, R.L. Stein, and then transitioned into Dean Koontz and Stephen King, although some people argue Dean Koontz is not really horror. I understand. Um, Anything scary, I stay away from. Yes. Well, he was always shelved in horror, so I just went with it. Um, And then, but I always loved um, sci-fi TV and movies. I always watched Star Trek um, The Next Generation with my brother. And so I realized if I loved watching it, why not read it? So I've been exploring the last few years more in depth, the fantasy and sci-fi side of genre, much to my delight. So that's why I'm always on the quest for for more, 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 more. Nice. So do you remember what some of the early sci-fi and fantasy titles were? Ooh, off the top of my head, no, actually. I would have to sort through all of my books to try and figure out which ones kind of stuck out as the first. Uh, I will admit, and this may get me some hate mail, I have not fully read The Lord of the Rings. Um, I own it, but I have not read it in its entirety. Despite being an avid, avid reader of The Lord of the Rings, I will not send any hate mail your way. Thank you. You're very kind. Renee's Strange Horizons essay on reading the canon and ways that reading the canon can be and whether or not you've read the canon can be used as gatekeeping yes is in the front of my head right now so it sounds like you are not someone who came to the genre via the canon and more interested in just kind of discovering what's out there than in trying to fill in some imagined gaps true yes i i did start listening to the cood street podcast probably about two years ago give or take mm-hmm. so i didn't start when they started but a lot of the titles I would seek out and try and I realized that I was chasing a canon that cannot be defined. Mm-hmm. And I realized there's no way I could ever catch up with people who had started reading decades ago in the genre. So I decided to just read whatever strikes my fancy when it strikes my fancy and not feel guilty or less of a reader because of it. So new stuff coming up how do you keep track of what's coming up, either from big presses or the especially smaller presses? I have to admit that I, I get stuff from authors and sort of general buzz on Twitter. And beyond that, my discovery senses are not keen at all. So I'm looking for tips. Yes. Well, for me, I, I rely a lot on Twitter as well, but I also keep track and I try to find it, but my list, again, with the 
massive rearranging I've been doing, I've lost my list of small presses that I periodically will check their websites to kind of see what's coming up. But then I have a separate calendar that I hang on the wall. This is how nerdy I am because I love paper and pens. Mm -hmm. So I will, I write release dates and I just keep a running calendar for release dates that are coming up for different titles and presses. And if things shift or change, but I always kind of have it in the back of my mind when things are coming out. Mm-hmm. And then, but Twitter is probably the biggest proponent for me or the biggest source, I, I should say rather, for me of things that are coming out. And I, I will go and see, look at those feeds for the Twitter feeds for small presses. Every so often, I'll actually go and look at who I'm following and I'll just mm-hmm. kind of surf through and see what they've posted about recently uh, just to kind of keep up with what's new because a lot can get lost in the noise of our followers and conversations and I like to focus on the books and the written word and promoting authors. Uh, Small Beer Press is one of my favorite small presses and they whenever I order a book they always joke if if I'm sure that I don't already own it because I own almost their entire catalog and I will I've started sending directly like I'll order from the publisher and have it sent to people as gifts because I like trying to order from the publisher directly when I can Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much how I do it though is I I deal or I'll seek out the publishers directly and and just kind of see what they have going on and what they're advertising what they're promoting what they're trying to let readers know about and then I'll try and signal boost as much as I can as well do you find that many of the presses have an editorial voice that you can see? Yes, uh, because there are so many small presses. And I don't, I think that a lot of people lose sight because of the big five and then the imprints of the big five. Mm -hmm. The smaller presses sometimes kind of skirt under the radar, but there are are dozens and dozens of small presses that some of them are niche niche, and they have their themes, uh, Tachyon Press, Aqueduct. They will highlight more of the diverse or feminist perspectives. Kelly Luce, and I may be mispronouncing her last name, so Kelly, I apologize in advance for that. So her um, her first book is called Three Scenarios in Which Hana Sasaki Grows a Tale. It's a collection of short stories, and it came out from A Strange Object. It's a small press based out of Austin, Texas, and she's a big proponent of small presses as well. Kelly is. Um, she just finished her MFA and moved to California, and she just actually got a new book deal with FSG, which I'm super excited to read when that comes out next year. But she got her start, again, there's another author that got her start with a small press. Um, they're not really themed, per se. They, they're more broad in their, in their publishing focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot where you can find small presses that do have an editorial voice, um, as you were saying, which is what is fun because then you, everybody can always find something for them somewhere that would kind of fit into what they want to read. Do you pursue small presses as a supplement to the big five? To me, the big five are my supplemental. I used to rely heavily on what the bookstore was selling me. And so when I walked in, it was what was on the front table. And that was the extent of my knowledge. I didn't even realize that I could seek out something beyond that. And once I started coming across these smaller presses, I realized that that's where I wanted to focus my energy and my dedication because these are books that often will fall under the radar or they they don't get the same press, they don't get the same big dollars that the big five or even those imprints can throw behind an author or a new release. 
Mm-hmm. You know, ARCs might not be sent out to everybody under the sun. You know, they might not have ads on every magazine and billboard, you know, going through subways. And if I can use my voice, as small as it may be, to help spread the word for some of these amazing books and collections, that's where I would like to focus my energy on, is spreading the love of books, yeah. all shapes and sizes. Well, why don't we, before we talk about new and rereading, maybe let's shine a spotlight on a couple of things that you've found or discovered uh, via searching around in different um, small presses. And maybe we'll start because we both read it with Elysium and just talk a little bit about that. And then you can tell me a couple other titles that people might be interested in. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. So... (laughs) I'm going to put you on the spot here. You are. You are. That's okay. I love it. So Elysium was, I'm trying to remember how I even, you know what? I heard it mentioned first on the Coot Street podcast. Uh, They had just mentioned in passing, um, I think it was Gary K. Wolf was reading a, a new book from Aqueduct Press that was really intriguing and he liked what it was doing. And so that kind of pushed me to go seek it out. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I know that you said that you had read it as well. Did you enjoy it? I did. I liked it. It wasn't, I, I had a few reservations about it, but in general, I found it was really interesting, really creative. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I felt like it packed, it packed a lot into a relatively small, I mean, from a novel perspective, it's, I think it's novella length. Um, Ooh, that I don't, I'm horrible with I, that. I don't understand. <laughs> it is not a by normal novel standards it's it's not all that long but there's a there's a lot going on yes it it packed it was a very dense uh novel for the topics that it covered and the lengths that it did uh which to me made it even more enjoyable uh because it it just absorbed me as i was reading it and it was very much a mind bender i read it in one sitting and wanted Ah. to turn around and just pick it back up and reread it because I felt like I, I needed to have that second reading. So, it, I mean, to me, it was amazing. Yeah, I read it in a few sittings and I was chatting with a couple of people on Twitter about it kind of as I was reading it because I'm pretty sure Cecily Kane sort of thrust it at me and said, no, no, you need to read this. And amazingly, my library had it. Uh, oh, that's an awesome. store I use to order books for me, but my library's actually got a pretty good selection. Very nice. But yeah, the the way, I don't know, I found the way that the world sort of got deconstructed into something for a while at least less and less recognizable to us was really interesting. And without spoiling too much, I thought that the way the story kept shining different lights on the same relationship and doing that, you know, I mean, part of what's going on is that the two main characters change gender and change sexuality throughout different episodes of the story. But yes, I just I found it really interesting that in some ways you could see the same relationship playing itself out through all of these different um, genders and sexualities and that that was really neat. And I, I feel like there's I still have more processing to do to kind of understand the implications of that. I just I really like plot. And that was kind of a hang up for me. Ah, yes, it was without yeah it's hard to i don't want to go into it too much because of the as you said with spoilers but yes it is not as plot driven it's very character driven Mm -hmm. without a doubt it is definitely heavy with the the character and i don't want to say analysis per se but it is something that it really makes you think it does does. it's just there's no other way to kind of get around it you have to 
I don't want to say work for the book because it's it's not necessarily that, but you definitely can't, it's not a beach read type, like stereotypical kind of thing, as they say. Yeah, so I really liked Elysium. I found it based on the length, based on the sorts of experiments it's doing. It's probably something that it makes more sense that it's got a home with a smaller press. I know when you mentioned small beer press, my mind immediately went to A Stranger in Alondria, which oh, yep. um, I haven't read, but is on my list of books that I really, really need to read. I'm just curious, do you have any other titles that you'd recommend or that you've discovered recently that you really enjoyed? The whole time we've been talking, I've been trying to find a particular title that um, I recently got from Aqueduct Press that is a collection of short stories and poetry. And for the life of me, I cannot find it. But I do have um, from Apex Publishing is Sing Me Your Scars by Damien Angelica Walters that I know has recently been up for all kinds of awards. And it's a collection of stories, but it is more in the... I don't want to say horror necessarily, but it is definitely mind bending. And I do love, I do love that collection. And then there's another one that's from Small Beer. It's not out, it's not a recent publication, but it's called Solitaire by Kelly Eskridge. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Um, she is based out of Seattle, but that is, let me see if I, I'm, I'm holding the book. Let me see when it was published. 2002. Um, from Small Beer, but they, I believe they still have it on their website that you can still order it. Um, but those are two amazing books um, from small presses. Small Beer obviously dominates my my bookshelves in different ways just because I became completely obsessed with their entire catalog. And I love what Gavin and Kelly put out from them and just kind of their, to speak to your editorial voice, just kind of what they, they highlight. Their whole focus is to, they would rather publish fewer books of higher quality mm -hmm. than just try and churn, 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 churn mm -hmm. kind of thing and just inundate the, the marketplace as it were. But those are, those are two amazing books that are, are very different in their own right, mm -hmm. but definitely amazing, amazing book. You've mentioned uh, some collections of short stories as well as some novels. Do you have a length preference? I do not. In fact, typically, and The Grace of Kings is the first one that I've done this with, but typically if there is a series, like a trilogy or who knows how many books might be in it, I wait until all the books are out and then I read it as one giant novel. And I'll just okay. read them back to back to back. So I don't really have a preference. I adore short stories. Okay. So I do have quite a few collections, whether they are anthologies or single author collections. Mm -hmm. um, I just love the short story form. And I think it's kind of a gateway drug for me into an author's longer fiction. Mm -hmm. I know they're very different writing styles for the short versus long, but if I like what an author does with short fiction, I know for me personally that I'm going to trust their longer fiction as well and dig into that. Yeah, I very strongly had that experience with Grace of Kings. Like there were definitely oh, yeah. some scenes where I said, you know, the plotting's here. The plotting here is a little bit interesting or the way this character is going or the kind of scene that's being set up. But having read a few of Ken's short stories and seeing especially how in control of plot he is in those, mm -hmm. um, that made it much easier to trust him as the story unfolded. Yes. And, I, and I've and i avoided the spoiler type reviews. I, I Obviously, just from general conversation, I've gathered some things. Mm -hmm. um, but I have picked up that a lot of reviewers weren't necessarily happy with the lack of female presence throughout 
the first book, but things like that are why I always look at the entirety of a collection, a, a trilogy, a, a series or whatnot, because I take the big picture into consideration of what an author's trying to do with something. And to only take one piece is, is to me preemptive with what somebody might be trying to accomplish for the bigger picture. So I was a little weary of reading it before all the other ones are out, mm-hmm. but I'm too excited up for it not to. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I will so. look forward to hearing what you think of Ancillary Justice in, I guess, sometime within the yes. next year, right? Yes. I have the third one on pre-order, um, and then I'll binge read all three of those. I have the first two standing by, mm-hmm. and then the third one, I will, once that one's out, then I'm going to binge read all three. Yeah, you... you mentioned that you tend not to read a series until it's all the way Mm -hmm. out and i immediately went to thinking like i mean there are at least a few ancillary justice is probably the most prominent kind of talked about book within a series that it's like that must be that must be a little tough and it's hard to avoid spoilers uh it is i just i think of the you know reviewers with arcs on twitter talking about books in advance and i just want to shake my fist at them and say but but the rest of us don't have it yet Yes. (laughs) That is, I do avoid, I will signal boost certain reviewers that I trust that have a solid voice, uh, a solid review style, um, things of that nature. Even if I haven't read it, Mm -hmm. I will signal boost for something that I may not have read, but I'm looking forward to, to allow other people that may want to check it out, Mm -hmm. you know, via Twitter and such. But I myself will wait to read those reviews until after I've read the book. So sometimes I have things bookmarked that I read a year later or more before yeah. I go back to it. It's There have been a few books that I kind of caught much later, and it's been interesting to go back and see uh, what people thought of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Do you reread often at all? You know, and it, it's funny because I just had this conversation with my aunts uh, this past weekend. I was visiting them for the holidays, and they are adamant against rereading. They said it doesn't matter how long the time has passed. I already know what's going to happen. So what's the point? And I know (laughs) (laughs) they're my family. So I have to still love them and accept them. But I do reread, but I'm not. There's so much new that comes out. I don't I don't reread as much now that I'm actively pursuing so much new stuff or even dipping back into older stuff or backlists. Mm-hmm. Um, if I read something newer of someone's, I may go back and collect all of their backlist. I'm very big on that. If I like something now. You're a collector. I am. I'm, I like that word better than hoarder, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I talked to book punks. She, uh. Oh, really? I, it, like, yeah, she, I, yeah, when she, she's like, okay, I'm just reading almost everything by this author. And then yep. she kind of climbs through authors that way. I do. If I, I, I do that with literary fiction as well. It's not specific to genre. If I like an author's style or voice, mm-hmm. I will go read everything that they've written. I, I did that with, uh, he's a literary fiction author, Victor Villasenor. Okay. And he has, uh, he's based out of, I believe he's Mexican American. And so he wrote a trilogy about his family's history and how his grandparents met, um, you know, during the Prohibition era. It was fascinating, and it was a brilliantly written story. And then I read all of those, and then I went and collected all of his backlist that is just a very rich, rich reading. So I don't 
I don't want to say discriminate, but it's just, it's not a genre specific thing for me. Mm-hmm. But from rereading, uh, I've completely digressed from your original question. I apologize. No, no. The, one of the biggest things that I reread is in this, <laughs> I read it in the fifth grade. It's called Where the Red Fern Grows. Yeah. 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 I read that every year religiously. And if I find somebody that hasn't read it, I give them my copy and then I replace my copy. Um, and I've given away over a dozen copies so far because I adore that book so much. I saw the movie but never read the book. But I will oh, I pick up a copy so you don't have to send one to me. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. I have. I've given them to complete strangers before. Uh, so that's definitely something that I do a lot. But it. I never saw the movie. I... Just love that book for whatever reason. And but for me, rereads that you can catch some things. I usually wait a little bit longer. I know that um, there are some people on the Book Riot crew that will reread religiously like every year and they'll even use a different color pen as they read to kind of highlight different stages of life when they reread the book, um, which I thought was very interesting because then they can go back and see the notes in the margin from when they were a teenager or their 20s or their 30s, you know, things like that. That does sound really interesting. If I could yes. bring myself to write, write in the margins. In a book. <laughs> I can't do it either. I, I, yeah. Even in college, like the books that you're supposed to take notes in and things. I yes. Do it. I can underline in pencil lightly certain books for school. Um, but generally, I just mark it with one of those little sticky tab things if i want to highlight the page so i can take it out later yeah um although i do i'm enjoying kind of tweeting along as i'm reading and i feel like it's helping me engage more with the books so maybe if i had just learned to record my notes on books somehow when i was younger i would have yeah i that was never my thing either i don't like writing in books i don't like buying books that have writing in them because then i get distracted by somebody else's thoughts oh yeah that's the worst yeah, and then I wonder why they highlighted something if I don't agree with what they chose to highlight. Mm-hmm. What, is, <laughs> so what do you mean this passage is significant? This, why? Wait, this is stupid. Who underlined this? You are a moron. I cannot read this anymore. So, yeah, I focus more on the previous reader than the book I'm reading. Now, are you more of a paper book person or an ebook person? I am a paper book person. In fact, I have a list because I have ebooks. I do read ebook, but that is my backup, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, every book I own on ebook, I own in physical copy as well. I'm very impressed. Yes. I don't trust my ebooks <laughs> to yeah. stay there. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like at some point, the powers that be, Big Brother, whatever, can determine that I no longer have access to it unless I pay some additional fee. So... I don't, I don't know. I just don't trust them to be there all the time. So I always have the physical book as well. I'm a little weird that way. Do you have, like, is your to-be-read pile organized? Do you have one? Do you know what's coming next? Is it the calendar? That is just for ordering purposes, so I can make sure that I buy a book when it comes out and I don't lose track of it. But for my to-be-read pile, which is pretty massive because I buy more than I can keep up with reading just mm-hmm. because of I was um, working full-time, but between working and, and grad school and such, obviously personal reading is is pushed to the side. So my to-be-read pile is, is pretty massive and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It is whatever strikes my fancy when I finish one book, um, unless I've told someone that I'll read 
right. their book, then obviously that's that's a priority for me. I recently read Archivist Wasp. I've heard good things. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. It is an amazing, amazing book. Also from Small Beer Press, of course. That is a book that it's YA and I don't read a whole lot of YA. It recently got a really good review from Book Smugglers mm-hmm. uh, that I loved and was, I don't, I think they do 10. Do they do out of their scales out of 10? Um, but it, they do, but it is fairly rare that anything hits 10, I think. Uh, Archivist Wasp got 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's a, it's just a really good, I loved it. I think even adults could, adult women could stand to, to read this book, not just young girls. The protagonist is so well written and there's, there's a little bit of a military-esque essence to some of the things and the events that occur, which I, I'm prior military, so I could identify with some of those things. So it, it really connected with me on, a, on multiple levels. So I just, I really enjoyed that particular book. And I had been talking to Nicole, the author, uh, for quite some time about it. And I had the book, but I was so busy with grad school, I couldn't dig into it. Mm-hmm. So I made that a priority as soon as grad school was over to dig into that one, just because I had talked about it so much. But other than that, it's just kind of browsing my library, as it were. Yeah, people talk about To Be Red Pile, and I'm like, you mean my bookshelves? Right, exactly. (laughs) The entirety of my first floor, yes. When I finish a book, I pick up another one, and if I'm reading something and don't feel like it, I pick up a different one. I'm a big believer in that as well. I will try and come back to something, but if I don't get sucked in, I'm going to move on to something else. It doesn't mean I'm not, I've given up on the book, but if I don't forget where I am or to eat kind of thing, (laughs) then generally I'll go pick up because I just have so much to read. That's, that's quite the standard for... If this book isn't making me forget to eat, Mm -hmm. then maybe I should pick up something else instead. Because I get hooked really quickly. I mean, I've read some, I don't know if you call them professional reviewers on Twitter, and, you know, they say 10, 20 pages, but I kept pushing through, and now I'm 200 pages in. And um, and that's, to me, I, I don't... I don't have such a rigid standard, I guess, necessarily. So I don't completely abandon a book and I won't trash talk a book by any means. I prefer to focus on the positive aspects of things. I'm getting my my master's in English, so I do enough in-depth analysis in school to where I don't need to break down at the sentence level a book. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. That's just not my joy in life to that extent. I spend so much time in class doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I love to focus on what I enjoyed from a book. And if a book is not pulling me in, whether in some way, shape or form, then I'm going to set it aside. I'll give it another chance later, but I'm going to try something else instead. Each episode closes with a memory of a significant book, the right book at the right time, an interesting find, or just something that stuck around. You know, I knew I should have saved Where the Red Fern Grows because I read that in your guest pre-prepare-yourself <laughs> passage, and I thought instantly of Where the Red Fern Grows, and then, of course, I already talked about it. So, oh, you know what? Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. Uh-huh. I adored that book. I read that, actually. It came out when I was active duty 
and I got it while I was I was stationed in Japan at the time and I inhaled that massive book within a couple of days. That is a massive book. That is not a book that I associate with inhaling. No, I sat and did not move for hours upon hours at a time. And I loved the footnotes and the the rich imagery that she created with that history. And oh, I love, love, love that book. It has footnotes. No one has ever told me it has footnotes. Oh, you know? Now I'm much more excited about going to read it. Oh my gosh, yes. Because I've had a couple people recently saying, yeah, you should really read this. I know there was a big resurgence because the... TV miniseries, which I have not watched yet. I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I just haven't had time. But the book itself, it it has footnotes. It's like an actual history of England with magic. And there are some, like the footnotes, I'm looking at one page. I just pulled it off my shelf. It's like maybe a third of the pages are footnotes at the bottom of the page. I am grinning. This is maybe not selling it to other people, but I don't (laughs) care because I am grinning and now I really want to go get it and read it. This is awesome. It was such a unique little element for a fiction book. And history is one of my other passions. Uh And having that book with footnotes and I Oh, I just love that book. So yes, go read it. Thanks for listening to Cabbages and Kings. Please let me know what you think of the show. On the website, cabbagesandkings.audio, there's a feedback form and also a page if you'd like to be on the show. Or just go ahead and email contact at cabbagesandkings.audio. I'm on Twitter at jsuttonmorse. The show is on Twitter at kingcabbagecast. Let me know what you enjoyed, what books you're reaching for now, what I can do to make the show better. The website also has an occasional blog, my running tweets on books I'm reading, and importantly, a link to the RSS feed for this show, which you can also find on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Until next time, enjoy your reading.